welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is Thursday of the 33rd week in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Grant us, we pray, O Lord our God, the constant gladness of being devoted to you. For it is full and lasting happiness to serve with constancy the author of all that is good. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Book of the Apocalypse. I, John saw that in the right hand of the one sitting on the throne, there was a scroll that had writing on back and front, and was sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a powerful angel who called with a loud voice, Is there anyone worthy to open the scroll and break the seals of it? But there was no one, in heaven or on the earth or under the earth, who was able to open the scroll and read it. I wept bitterly, because there was nobody fit to open the scroll and read it. But one of their elders said to me, There is no need to cry. The line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed, and he will open the scroll and the seven seals of it. Then I saw, standing between the throne with its four animals and the circle of the elders, a lamb that seemed to have been sacrificed. It had seven horns, and it had seven eyes, which are the seven spirits God has sent out all over the world. The Lamb came forward to take the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne, and when he took it, the four animals prostrated themselves before him, and with them the twenty-four elders. Each one of them was holding a harp and had a golden bowl full of incense made of the prayers of the saints. They sung a new hymn. You are worthy to take the scroll and break the seals of it, Because you were sacrificed, and with your blood you brought men for God of every race, language, people and nation, and made them a line of kings and priests to serve our God and to rule the world. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lamb has made us a kingdom of priests to serve our God. The Lamb has made us a kingdom of priests to serve our God. Sing a new song to the Lord. His praise in the assembly of the faithful. Let Israel rejoice in its maker. Let Zion's sons exult in their king. 
The Lamb has made us a kingdom of priests to serve our God. Let them praise his name with dancing, and make music with timbrel and harp. For the Lord takes delight in his people, he crowns the poor with salvation. The Lamb has made us a kingdom of priests to serve our God. Let the faithful rejoice in their glory, shout for joy and take their rest. Let the praise of God be on their lips. This honour is for all his faithful. The Lamb has made us a kingdom of priests to serve our God. Alleluia, alleluia. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. As Jesus drew near Jerusalem and came in sight of the city, he shed tears over it and said, If you in your turn had only understood on this day the message of peace. But alas, it is hidden from your eyes. Yes, a time is coming when your enemies will raise fortifications all round you, when they will encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you and the children inside your walls to the ground. They will not leave one stone standing on another within you. And all because you did not recognise your opportunity when God offered it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. All right, South Australia, welcome back to lockdown. A number of you have asked if I'm going to continue with daily podcasts now that um, we're all home together. Uh, yes. (laughs) I now have a little bit more time in order to get these podcasts done, so we'll kick on for the time being. And thank you. Um, You can stop pointing out the irony that the very day that I announce that the podcast is no longer going to be daily, that um, that's the day when we have an outbreak. So, yes, I'm aware. Um, No, this is not my fault. I'm 99% sure this is not my fault. All right, let's get back to the book of the Apocalypse. This vision is definitely starting to get interesting now. So remember where we left off. We had this picture of God's throne room, of this heavenly temple. Uh, And there's one seated on the throne uh, in the middle. And he was described as having the appearance of a ruby or a diamond. Uh, And then there's a rainbow encircling the throne that looks like an emerald. Now, what's interesting about that is that um, God appears quite featureless. He's being described as a kind of radiance of light, Um, you know, the kind of brilliance that comes from gemstones. This is what is seated on the throne. Um, And even then, it's just it looks like this sort of stuff, you know, that God is, is very indescribable. Now we hear that from the one seated on the throne, there is a right hand. And in the right hand is a scroll sealed with seven seals. Now, I think the first thing that's important about that is that, you know, we get an idea of how to interpret these images. You see, they they almost appear to be kind of contradictory, right? Okay, the one seated on the throne looks like light. And now all of a sudden we hear about this hand with a scroll in it. Like, how did we suddenly get these features? And it's like, well, you know what? It's not actually so much about what these things look like and how you can imagine them. The pictures that are painted are not so much interpreted by their appearance, but interpreted by their symbolism. 
So in the biblical worldview, a right hand is always a designation of power. In the Psalms, for example, we sing that God's right hand and his holy arm have won salvation. So as John's describing this vision, we need to interpret it not simply visually, but intellectually. What's communicated is not just what it looks like. The message is communicated through the symbolism which is present. So, you know, as we go through this vision, we're going to hear some uh, aspects that actually sound weird and also like kind of ugly. But it's not so much about what these things look like in your mind's eye. It's about what they mean through the interpretation of the symbol. So from the glory seated on the throne comes a right hand and it's holding a scroll. The right hand, then God's power. What's the scroll? How do we interpret this? The principle that we've sort of been going with up until this point is to find these references in the Old Testament and then see that this is kind of the air which, you know, is being breathed in the scriptures and and that this carries forward into the interpretation of Revelation. So what do we find in the Old Testament? Well, Ezekiel has a vision of God's throne with a scroll, uh, and the scroll is given to him to eat, um, and it tastes um, sweet as honey. Uh, and from having eaten the scroll, Ezekiel begins to prophesy about God's plan, what he's going to accomplish. Now, Isaiah also speaks about um, a locked scroll, and, and so does the prophet Daniel. So given this sort of Old Testament reference and then also kind of interpreting what's going to happen uh, in the reading from here on in, it's more likely then that the scroll is actually describing the coming of God's kingdom, you know, his plan for history, for the world. Now, it's locked up with seven seals, which um, apparently was what uh, the Romans would do in order to kind of ascertain the authenticity of the documents which are being sent. Think of it as an ancient form of encryption, for example, Um, which means that the scroll can't just be opened by anyone. It needs to be opened by the one who can open it, who has the authority to open it. And John weeps bitterly, finding that there's no one who has the authority to open up God's plan. The coming of the kingdom of God, that this is something that remains locked up. But one of the elders, you know, remember these 24 who are seated on thrones, uh, one of the elders turns to John and says, look, chill out. You know, there's no need to cry. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed and he will open the scroll and the seven seals of it. Brilliant. Tears turn to joy. But now we've got to go look for him. Where's the lion of the tribe of Judah? Where do we find the root of David? Now, this reference to the lion, you know, it comes from the book of Genesis. Jacob is blessing his sons, you know, the ones who will be the beginnings of the 12 tribes of Israel. And this is what he says of his son, Judah. Judah, your brothers shall praise you. You grip your enemies by the neck. Your father's sons shall do you homage. Judah is a lion cub. You climb back, my son, from your kill. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down, or a lioness, who dare rouse him? The scepter shall not pass from Judah, nor the mace from between his feet. All right. So uh, the tribe of Judah is going to give a leader. You know, the scepter and the mace, these are, are symbols of power and of kingship. 
and the tribe of Judah is described as bringing about a powerful lion. And of course, we know that the tribe of Judah does. That's King David, right? David, the son of Jesse, of the tribe of Judah. He is the great king who is invested with authority. You know, he's got the scepter and the mace. But turn to Isaiah and we find out that we're not done yet with the line of David. Now, we get this reading at Christmas, right? So it sounds familiar. A shoot springs from the stock of Jesse. A scion thrusts from his roots. On him the spirit of the Lord rests, a spirit of wisdom and insight, a spirit of counsel and power, a spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord. Right? Okay, great, great, great. The shoot springs from the stock of Jesse. This is the root of David. So there is a lion to come from this tribe of Judah. There is a descendant to come from David who is worthy, who is able to open the scroll, who is able to bring about the coming of the kingdom of God, the manifestation of his divine plan in the universe. So what is John looking for? He's looking for a lion. He's looking for a king. And what does he find? A lamb. What a spectacular contrast. And here's the thing, not only a lamb, but a lamb that was slain. Now, a lamb that was sacrificed, but that is alive. It bears the markings of its sacrifice, and yet it is fully alive. Now, you might think cute, fluffy lamb, um, but, you know, already it bears the marks of a violent death. But also, it gets a little weird, right? Seven horns? Seven eyes? Ugh starting to look like a mutant. But remember that, you know, this apocalyptic language is not so much for the picture that it draws, but for the symbol that's contained within the image, right? A horn is a sign of power. And remember, seven is the number of fullness. So for this lamb to have seven horns means that this lamb is invested with the fullness of power. The eyes are a sign of knowledge. Um, so to have seven eyes means to have the fullness of knowledge, the perfection of knowledge. And these eyes are the seven spirits which God sends out into the world. If you like, the spirits are God's eyes on the world. And so the lamb has the fullness of God's knowledge on earth. It's not a mutant lamb. It's a powerful lamb. Powerful, but a lamb nonetheless. So in this rather strange imagery, what's being proclaimed by the book of the Apocalypse? Well, the promised Messiah King, the one who is promised by the Old Testament prophets, has come and has conquered, not by militaristic means as might have been expected from the prophecies, but instead by means of his sacrifice, the lamb who was slain, but who is alive. And so we see then in this kind of symbolic imagery, the story of our salvation is being proclaimed. The sacrificial death and resurrection of Christ is God's plan for the coming of God's kingdom established on earth as it is in heaven. So the lamb comes forward to the one seated on the throne and takes the scroll. And it's at this point, you know, these four weird animals and the 24 elders, they all prostrate themselves, which, you know, they had previously only done to the one seated on the throne. So, you know, that's kind of suggestive now. But they prostrate themselves and they sing this new hymn. 
You are worthy to take the scroll and break the seals of it. Why? Because you were sacrificed, and with your blood you bought men for God, of every race, language, people, and nation, and made them a line of kings and priests to serve our God and to rule the world. So here's the important point. The sacrifice of the lamb, the blood of the lamb, is in fact the victory of the lamb. The means of his success is through the laying down of his life. And this is what makes him worthy to take the scroll, to break its seals and unlock the mystery of God's plan for the world, for the coming of his kingdom. The lion of the tribe of Judah comes as a lamb sacrificed. And in an incredible turnaround, this is what makes him victorious. His death is saving, and the pouring out of his blood is the defeat of his enemies and the gathering of men for God from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. All right, tomorrow we're going to hear more about this scroll. Stay tuned. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who who art in in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot, at this moment, receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows 
to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.